0: This summer we are looking and journeying through the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And so today we will be reading from the fourth chapter of Nehemiah, verses 10 through 14. So I invite you to follow along in the Pew Bible, your personal Bible, or you can listen to the word as it is read. But Judah said, The strength of the burden bearers is failing, and there's too much rubbish so that we are unable to do work on the wall. And our enemies said, They will not know or see anything before we come upon them and kill them and stop the work. When the Jews who lived near them came, they said to us ten times, From all the places where they live, they'll come up against us. So in the lowest parts, the space behind the wall and open places... I stationed the people according to their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And after I looked upon these things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your kin, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your households. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Those of you who are... Uh, devout Methodists probably understand what annual conference is. Uh, for those of you who have probably never heard the word or have, but don't fully understand, it is the yearly gathering pretty much of all the Methodist clergy and the laity from, from different churches. Uh, it's a gathering that they have once a year in each conference to attend to the business of the church. And so we just had our annual conference this year for Mississippi. In Tupelo, we were gone. uh, We went on Wednesday through Friday, so we're just kind of off the heels of annual conference. And it was a busy one. It was the first time that we were able to gather in person in three years. Uh, We had a lot of votes to do on the resolutions and petitions. We had to approve all the appointments of new clergy, approve the closure of churches, And our bishop of the Mississippi Annual Conference is retiring this year, so there's a lot of farewells for him and things of that nature. So it was a really good time to gather. Um, I was super busy because I got kind of tricked into being a teller, so that means I had to count a lot of votes and (laughs) do a lot of running around. But it was a great experience overall. Uh, Tupelo is where it was. It's a great town. I got to see some things, Elvis tours, got to eat some good food. So overall, it was great. But, if things would have been different about four years ago, I would probably have never been at annual conference this past week. Many of you know my story of becoming a church uh, pastor and a church worker. I did not graduate college and go straight into ministry. I went into education. I was a teacher for about seven years before I felt the calling to be a worker in the church. And what I taught in high school was social studies. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about. So if you ever want to talk about government or history, I'm always up for a good conversation about any of that. And so it was a very enjoyable experience teaching those things. I even had the privilege of teaching the Advanced Placement U.S. History course, which is the college credit level course that high school students can take. I tell you what, that's a tough class. It really is. They have so much information they have to learn so quickly The tests are probably the hardest history tests they ever have to take because they have to write essays and do all these questions. And a lot of times, it's the lowest history grade they normally get because it's just so much content, and the tests are so hard. The students started writing on my test Philippians 4.13, which is, through Christ Jesus, I can do all things. And so they were basically asking God, get me through this test, please. And so I thought it was funny I'd start seeing that on my test. But they eventually got the, the swing of it, and they got used to the pace and the type of assessments, and they always ended up doing really well. But, you know, in my seventh year of teaching, uh, one day when I came to a Sunday morning worship service, I felt the calling to enter into youth ministry. And so that means I had to go to my, my principal, my boss, who had just signed my teacher contract for the next year, and say, you know, I'm feeling called to go to the ministry, and I'm going to have to ask to get out of my contract, which is never a good thing for a teacher to have to tell their principal. Fortunately, my principal is a godly man. He doesn't hide that in his professional life or his personal life. And the first thing he did when I was sitting in his office talking to him, he said, well, let me share with you a verse, and I want to pray with you. And I said, absolutely. And so the verse he pulled up was Philippians 4.13. Through Christ Jesus, I can do all things. And so right in that moment, that passage the students were writing may have been for themselves, but it was also something God was trying to tell me before I even knew it. And so we prayed, and then I accepted the call and got the job as, as a youth pastor. And over the years, I've had many roles here at St. Matthews, and I've grown in a lot of ways, and I've really appreciated the journey looking back on it. But about four years ago, I had a really just rough week. You know, we all have just hard weeks. We're tired. Things didn't go the way you wanted it to. And you're kind of just sitting there exhausted. And on top of that, you have committee meetings, and those can go long, and they're just grueling. And it was a really rough week and some rough meetings. And I came home, and I thought, you know what? I think I made a mistake. This may not be the type of work I'm called to do. This is tough. And I began to doubt myself. I began to think, you know, maybe I need to go back to teaching where it was easy for me. You know, kind of thinking back in the days where things were good. And it didn't help that I uh, came across my former boss at a restaurant one day and we reconnected. And eventually what happened was I ended up reaching out and we started talking about positions that I could take and to come back into the the schools. And I was close, had a resume ready. Ready to turn it in and go back to teaching, but then in, in that final moment, something came across me in that verse Philippians four thirteen through Christ Jesus I can do all things I stepped back from the ledge and didn't pursue it and continued to serve, and I'm grateful that I did because I've had many experiences in the past four years challenging ones. We went through COVID. We've gone through a lot. And I've been thankful that I've been a part of that journey. And I felt called that I needed to be where I'm supposed to be. But we've all been there, right? We've all been in situations in our lives where things begin to get a little tough. And we begin to doubt our choices that we have made. And we kind of want to retreat back to the way things were when things were just easier in our mind, right? And so we all have those moments. We all wrestle with those moments. And we all have to make decisions, well, in Scripture, we come across many stories that are just like that. And there's a saying, when the tough, when the tough is going or gets going, when gets tough to tough. All right? Maybe that went with a movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, go back and listen to it. I went and watched it. And I'm like, wow, that's really 80s right there. So anyway. But, yeah, when things get kind of tough, we kind of either retreat... Or we drive on, head on into toughness and continue on. Well, Nehemiah had that same moment here in this fourth chapter. You know, just to recap for Nehemiah, he was a cupbearer of the king of Persia while in exile. He had a very cushy lifestyle. He ate the finest foods, drank the finest wines. was a friend of one of the mightiest kings ever, And could have just stayed right there, living the good life. But when he heard word from people back from the homeland in Jerusalem on how things were in such disarray, his heart just bled out. And he felt called by God to go to Jerusalem to help them rebuild from the destruction. And he felt called specifically to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And so he asked the king of Persia for his blessings, which he got. He went to Jerusalem, surveyed the land, and began the work of rebuilding that protective wall, which in that day and age was so crucial for the vitality and survival of a community. But it didn't come without its challenges, It didn't come without its distractors, the critics. Over the past couple Sundays, we've been looking at the challenges and what the critics had to say and how that impacted him. And now today, in the process of rebuilding the wall, we hear in verse 10, the strength of the burden bearers is failing. And there's too much rubbish so that we are unable to work on the wall. You know, when they rebuild this wall that has been destroyed, there's rubble all around it. So not only do they have to rebuild it, but they've got to clear things out. They've got to do double the work. Sometimes it's easier to build something from scratch on a clean slate. But just like anything you do in your life, whether it's a home remodel or repairing a car, you've got to take out the old, which is hard, and then you've got to put in the new and make it work, which is even harder. It's exhausting. And here they are coming up to a point where the wall is halfway built, but there's still more rubbish to clean out, and they are tired. You know, in our own lives, sometimes we have to clear out the rubbish in order to continue the work, in order to see clearly what we are called to do. The rubbish can be fear and doubt, it can be material things. It can be your anxieties and worries, anything that is clogging up the system, preventing you from continuing to do the good work. And so we are called to clear that out in our lives in order to continue rebuilding what needs to be rebuilt for us. But I always encourage us to not just look individually, but also as the church body, As St. Matthew's, that's one of the things we're looking at in this series is ways that we are rebuilding back after the past couple of years. In order to do that as a church, we have to do the painful process of looking at what is the rubbish in our lives here? What is the debris? What are the things that need to be moved out of the way so we can continue to do the good work of sharing the good news and making disciples of Jesus Christ? And sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes we don't want to do that. And we get tired. And it is at us our weakest. It is at these moments when we are at our weakest. When the enemy knows to attack. Here you see it in this moment. In verse 11 it says, Our enemies, they say this, They will not know, meaning the wall builders will not know or see anything before we come upon them and kill them. And stop their work. You know, when you're at your weakest, you just want to give up. You want to go back. I had that horrible week, and I wanted to go back. We all have those moments, right? And that is when the enemy knows that it can attack. When you're least expecting it, and you're at your frailest. It not only happens to us and also happens to the church as well, it happened to Jesus Christ. We know the story. Before he set out on ministry, he went to go fast for 40 days. He was physically weak, he was tired, and you know who showed up to the party? The devil, to tempt him three times. You know, when you step out for Christ and you step out to do the good work, you put a target on your back. You put on a target on your back for the devil. Because the devil's going to do everything in his power to make you stop. And he knows when you're going to be tired. And he knows to come in there and to tempt you at your weakest. And you have to be ready for that. It is a fact that it will happen for all faithful followers. If it happened to Jesus, it can happen to us. And these people here working on this wall heard that the enemies are coming. As a church, as we begin to step out and do things, we're going to face challenges. We're going to face those that doubt us and those that want us to fail. And as a church, we have to be ready for that and be prepared for that. But God puts people in your lives that will help you along your journey, that will give you things, encouragement, that will speak to you. And in those moments of your weakest Those are the things that can carry you through. Just like the Philippians 4.13 was for me. You have those things in your lives. You have those individuals in your lives that can help you at your weakest. As a church, we have people in other churches that can build you up. One great thing about the connection of the United Methodist Church is that you're not alone. There are 900 other United Methodist Churches also. And we can lean on each other in times of need. And so in this story here, you see who God put in the place of the wall builders in Nehemiah. In verse 12, he put, When the Jews who lived nearby them came and said to us ten times, For all the places where they live, they'll come up against us. God had placed faithful people near the wall builders and near Nehemiah to warn them at their weakest, be ready. Be ready because the enemy is coming. And because of that, they were able to be prepared. They were able to see what God was trying to tell them. So Nehemiah, in the lowest parts of the space, behind the wall in the open places, stationed people according to their families. He put swords in their hands, spheres in their hands, and bows. And he looked over these things, he stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, Do not be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your kin, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your households. You know, during the pandemic, when we could not meet in person for a while, it's hard to do church when you can't meet in person for a while. It's hard to share the love and to make disciples. But the one thing that I was proud of with with this church is that this church did not give up. It continued in ministry in the best ways that it saw that it could not harm the people but yet continue to disciple them. And so that meant, yes, doing online filming of church services. That was hard for those worshiping at home and it was hard for those of us here recording ourselves before an empty sanctuary for church but it was something we had to do and we did it we got creative and decided to do church in the parking lot people would sit in cars some of y'all sat in cars ran your acs ran your heaters jumped off batteries of cars whatever it took rain snow shine whatever it was we still had worship on sunday mornings We'd meet on the front lawn and have special services. we do drive-through communion. We would do Zoom. As, as hard as that was, we would do Zoom for gatherings and meetings and classes. And I remember meeting with our Wednesday Night Live planning team when the time came for us to start back in the fall of 2020. And we were all called and felt called that we should be able to offer something during the middle of the week on Wednesdays during this time so our church family, so the community can have that extra touch point of church in the middle of the week so that we can still be connected in some way, shape, or fashion. So we decided to steal the idea of the restaurants and do a drive-up meal system. Lots of bumps in the road, but at the very end we got pretty efficient at that system. But yes, we would have ordering online, come by and get your meal, see somebody, talk to somebody, you'd have a hot meal, grab a casserole for later in the week, or take one to somebody who's quarantining at home to drop off at the front porch to say, you know what, I know and love you, I'm praying for you. And we did all that, yes, through through the power of Jesus Christ, but we did it because we knew who we were fighting for. God calls us to love our neighbors. God calls us to worship him and love him. And that is who we fight for as a church. That is who we fight for individually. And so we do these hard things. We overcome these challenges and put the bull's eye on our back for the devil to come after us because we fight for those that we love. We fight for those that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We fight for those who need a community, who need to be able to connect to God and to others. We fight for what is important. And that is why we did what we did during the pandemic. That is why we do in our lives what we do. That's why we serve in the ways that we serve. That's why we come to church on Sunday mornings and why we pray. Because we fight for people that matter. And God calls us to love all, and we fight for the love of all. Just as Nehemiah reminded the people who were there stationed at the wall, ready to confront the enemy, he said, Do this for those that you love. Remember them. And we are not alone in in this journey. We have a God who would part the seas for us so we can walk through them. We have a God that would come down in human flesh from his throne and die a painful death on the cross of so that week and have salvation. We have a God that loves us so. And so when we do what we do, may we remember that we fight for our God and that we fight for our neighbors. So have faith, church. This week, reflect upon areas in your life that you need to clear out so you can continue the process of rebuilding. May we as a church, as we meet and gather together, look at ways to clear out our rubbish so we can continue to do the good work here in our community and beyond. And as we do that, may we have the faith that Jesus Christ, through him we have all power to accomplish what God calls us to do. And may we celebrate that this week and not forget that message. Let us pray.